What's up, everybody? It's Intuition, and uh, you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search on iTunes, uh, Kinda Neat. If you're on an iPhone, get the little podcast app. It'll make your life so much better. You can listen in the car. It's a fucking great thing. You can listen at the gym. It'll keep you on the treadmill longer. So just search for Kinda Neat on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat. You can find us uh, on Stitcher. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash That's Kinda Neat. Or you can just go to the classic old kindaneat.net. That is our content portal where you can find the podcast. You can find the photos. You can find the videos that we've done. You can find it all there. Up and running now for almost three months strong. Probably more than three months. Yeah, it's probably it's been close to four months strong. We're fucking doing it, man. We're doing it. So anyways, follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man Ben Shim behind the boards, making the shit buttery at IM Database, based with two S's. And of course, you can look for us on Instagram too. You know we're out here killing the game. So today on the show, uh, we had David Romo. And last week... We had Adam Weiss, and they are a duo. So this is kind of the part two of the Ham on Everything saga. They are business partners in throwing what I consider to be some of the most fun parties in L.A. They're really cracking right now. And um, I met Adam a long time before I met Romo. We talked about that in Adam's episode of Kind of Neat. So I met Romo just about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And what happened was... Adam and David were looking to, or Adam and Romo, he likes to go by Romo. Adam and Romo were kind of um, looking to take him on everything to a new level on the internet. And so they wanted to sit down with me and talk about like how to kind of make their YouTube shit more cracking, how to make their website more cracking. So I said, yeah, man, cool. I knew Romo did videos and I'd seen him in there tight. So I was like, look, let's meet up. We'll have lunch. And I'll kind of like give you guys some tips to the trade, do a little like whatever, quote unquote consultation and uh, in turn, let's just have Romo do a video for me. And he said, all right, man, yeah, that sounds great. So I sent him this song called First Day of Summer. Now, I just thought he was going to do like some plain old performance shit, like, you know, run of the mill music video. And then he sends me this uh, treatment that's like, all right, I want to go to the desert and have this post-apocalyptic thing. And I want you to be in like this bomb shelter suit and yada, yada. And I was like, damn, he's really doing the most. This is tight. You know, this is only like the second time I'd ever met Romo uh, was at this lunch. And like, it was like, he was really going all in for this. And uh, I was like, wow, that's great. What a good work ethic. Like he's really putting some work into it. So Initially, he showed me like these kind of white chem suits like they would use in Breaking Bad almost. And I was like, ah, you know, those are whatever. I was like, there's a place next door to me. There's a there's a uh, military surplus store next door to me that has these like crazy rubber suits that are like crazy chemical suits. You know, they're like 14 pounds and shit and they have boots attached to the bottom. And I sent him a picture and he said, holy shit. Yeah, get that. Those things are only 15 bucks, man. It's crazy. It's like seems like it should be a $300 thing. So I sent him a picture of that and I and then I send him a picture of myself in the suit after I bought it and they're like oh that is fucking dope yeah definitely let's use that you know and the thing is is that I was in my apartment it was probably an 80 degree day in Los Angeles and I was in my apartment that doesn't have AC in this rubber suit and I got stuck in it I got stuck in the fucking suit and I couldn't get out of it and I'm like having a low-key panic attack and all I have on underneath is a pair of shorts so the rubber is getting like stuck to my shoulders and getting stuck to my stomach. Like I've had a hairy chest and a hairy stomach is like pulling out my fucking chest hair and it's like stuck on my shoulders and I'm trying to, I'm trying to fucking weasel my way out of this thing, but I'm sweating. And so the sweat is making the rubber stick to my skin more. And I'm, really on the verge of having a full-on panic attack like I think I'm gonna faint or I think I'm gonna pass out and there were a few times where I'm like so stuck in this thing and I couldn't get my shoulders out that I was like all right I should go downstairs to the crazy antique dealer dude that lives next door to me and ask if he'll help me get out of this because I'm fucking stuck but I thought nah man that will be embarrassing as shit like just stay here relax and breathe And so I start kind of like relaxing and trying to meditate kind of and trying to like David Blaine my way out of the shit and I'm squirming and and squeezing and then at one point I just go ah and scream and finally I get the motherfucker off. I felt like the dude in Lethal Weapon. I felt like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon like having to like pop his shoulder out to get out of the straitjacket. It was insane. Uh, But I finally get out of that thing and I'm like, okay, just make sure next time you put that on you have help getting out. So a couple days later, 
we go up to the high desert. They had scouted out this fucking crazy location. Like we were at a bunch of different locations. So we go way up. I think the 14, like at one point we're four hours away from Los Angeles in what seemed like a post-apocalyptic city or something. And I'm like almost panicky. Like, man, I feel like some kind of like junkies are going to come out of these trailers and like, it'll be on some, the Hills have eyes type of shit. And we're all going to be like tied up and get our nuts cut off or something. But um, so we're out in this junkyard and it just happens to be one of the hottest days of, of the spring so far. And so we're up in the high desert and it's like 101 degrees and I'm in this fucking 14 pound rubber suit and we're doing takes where it's like, we're going, we're doing the song is like three minutes and 30 seconds and we're doing takes that are the whole song. So I'm in the thing for three minutes, but in those three minutes I can feel my body heating up so fucking much that I'm like panicking to get out of the thing again. And I'm with Adam and Romo and it's my first time ever kicking it with Adam for a whole day. And it was my first time really ever kicking it with Ro- Romo at all and so i'm trying to like keep my cool and be on some like trust in romo and his vision and like not be a dick but at the same time i'm going like oh my god i'm fucking sweating so much and so after every take i would go i'd be like oh and like help me get out of this thing and adam would like be pulling off the shoulders so that i could get it down to my waist at least and it i brought like five pairs of clothes i brought like gym shorts gym socks and gym shirts so that i could just sweat through them and then take them off but it was like i was sweating through them in one take every take i was sweating through them i had a pair of vans on that were so soaking wet that they had salt stains on them after that it was disgusting so i'm panicking and freaking out and the whole time like adam who was on the show last week is being like kind of a little shithead like i'm like yo dude i need more water can you go get more water from the car like i'm getting dehydrated as fuck i have a headache i'm sweating so much and he's like oh i have to walk back to the car dude he's like come on man don't make me i'm like walk back to the fucking car dickhead but but like you know kind of joking but so he goes back and gets water anyway we get through the day and by the time that i take the suit off there's footage of this that i don't know if it ever came out by the time i actually take the suit off and get my feet out of the bottom of it i could feel the sloshing around while i was walking but i didn't know how much like sweat was actually down there and i pull my foot out my foot soaking fucking wet we ended up having to buy like extra socks from a gas station because my feet were all soaked i thought i was gonna get like gangrene or athlete's foot I pull my foot out, tip the boot over, and I shit you not, a whole like cup and a half of water comes out of each boot. It was disgusting. And so that was the most torturous video shoot that I've ever been on. And that was how I met Romo. Ever since then... Romo and I have been really close friends. We actually kick it a few times a week. Those guys have been close homies. His camera is actually the camera that I borrow uh, to do all the kind of neat videos. His light is responsible for making the cool looking light that I have on the videos and such. So major props to Romo. Without him, a lot of this podcast wouldn't be taking place. And so with that being said, Romo's episode kind of fills out the story of Ham on Everything. We talked to Adam last week about kind of the curation and also his kind of like dark past. And on Romo's, we kind of talk more about the ins and outs and the tech stuff of actually putting together a party and designing flyers and doing uh, web design and doing RSVPs and all this stuff. So it's an interesting look into what's happening in the LA party scene right now and what's happening in the music scene right now. And so without further ado, here's the very multi-talented and multifaceted David Romo on Kind of Neat. How long have you been making music? I think technically, well, I was DJing before I started making music, but I think I officially started making music in like 10th grade. I was really, 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 really into uh, themselves and like the whole Anacon Collective. And then me and my buddy Rash uh, were like, we want to do that. So he bought the MPC and I bought the keyboard. And that's like kind of when we started fucking. What kind of keyboard did you have? My first keyboard was a little microcorg. Do you play piano? No, everything I've learned has been on my own and I've tried like traditional like methods of learning. Like I went, I took piano classes and it's just, I just was not, I couldn't grasp it. Like I could sit at a piano and like, I know my theory now that I taught myself and like I could figure shit out, but I can't like have a dude sit there and be like, right. Because you can figure out chords and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've watched you write songs and like you figure stuff out. Yeah. So you like kind of learn by ear. Yeah. Sophomore year was when you picked up on that or did you like it, yeah. in hindsight did you find like when you were a kid you played with music toys? I don't think so. I think it was like a 
because no one's a musician in my family. Like they're all fucking, you know, I'm a beaner. So all my fam, all my uncles played soccer and like, like they're very sportsy, you know? And yeah. like, I was just always like, eh, I'm gonna, well, cause you know, like, like I, yeah, that's the thing. No one in my family is musical either. Uh, there are some like dark horses on the Italian side of my family that like turned out to be like musicians and stuff, singers yeah. and poetry writers, et cetera, et cetera. But in my immediate family, no musicians. But when I look back in hindsight, it turns out I was always attracted to music toys, whether it be like the little He-Man seven inches yeah, I get, yeah, that or, makes or sense, like yeah. I had a toy guitar and then well, I had, a, I, actually, actually that's a lie. Cause my brother was a DJ. Yeah. So then like I picked it up from him. So I guess I was around music. Yeah. And I just thought, how much older is your brother? He's 10 years older than oh, me. Oh, wow. So he was like the big, big brother. That's like, yeah, I was the abortion that got away. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I, that's I squirmed through there. I was that, like, nah, <laughs> I'm coming. Uh! That's like, I made it. That's like your second father almost. So like, what technically, he, yeah. he, you probably looked at him like he was like, you know, your new Jack Jesus. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what he said goes and he was probably a big musical influence. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What yeah. was he listening to? Um, he like, he literally listened to everything like I do, you know, like he loved the Smiths, of course, you know, and like had the fucking doggy styles. He had like house music. He had like, he would just have like crates and crates of like fucking a gang of shit. So like, I think that's where I, I got the, just the overall loving everything. Yeah. So when you were into Anticon in like 10th grade, what else were you into before that? Uh, Before that, I mean, I've always kind of really liked punk rock music and like, like SoCal pop punk? No, like Fugazi and Minutemen and kind of shit like that. That's just like, I guess, post-punk. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, yeah, so I was always kind of like, and like Funkadelic. And then, you know, I listened to like Doggy Style and all that shit. And then Anacon came around and it just totally filled a gap that I needed. You know what I mean? Like just, it was super like progressive and I was totally down and, and it I kind was of obsessed. It reflected how you were feeling at the time or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could sure. relate to it. That was around the time I started realizing that I really, really loved white bitches. And then I would go to these Y shows and it was just like sweater chicks everywhere. And I was like in heaven. I was like, oh, so tight. Because before I used to think I was like, a, I had like a, I, I call it a Miklo complex. Cause I was like, I'm Mexican, but I'm very light skinned and I'm yeah. like, but like none of my Mexican so you're like, homies, my eyes right? are green, but yeah. I'm brown on the inside, homies. Yeah. So I was always like putting up this front growing up, but then I realized that I'm just like a dorky music kid who loves white bitches. Yeah. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? You say that your family's all playing soccer and stuff. You never got into athletics at all. I mean, I guess I played baseball. You're a big dude. You're tall. Yeah, I'm like seven nine. <laughs> oh, so you could just dunk on your tippy <laughs> Slouching, time. slouching. Yeah. Yeah. I sleep at a, on, you, So uh, you play baseball? What'd you play? Yeah, I play first base. We hey, talked. Yeah, 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 yeah but I know. <laughs> I know, but they don't know that we talked about it. <laughs> no I also big deal. Play. I was like a star first base player. I played uh, a bat cleanup, you know. Are you, uh, uh, was that I sarcasm bat, or is that real? I, no, it was for real. Freshman year of uh, fucking high school. high school, I batted a thousand. Really? How many yeah. at bats did you have? It was a short season, I to say that, but uh, it was a magnet league, you know, no big deal, but yeah. it was tight. Your folks are both Mexican, as you just mentioned. I won't say the B word as you did. Bainer. Were they born in the States? My dad's from Guadalajara and my mom's from San Luis Potosí. And how did they get over here? Actually, not too long ago, I found the arrest papers for my dad from crossing the border illegally. No shit. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, because he was... Um, a soccer player that he was a professional soccer player so he was always traveling really and then he stopped by my mom's town at a ball dance kind yeah. of i think he was originally trying to holler at his my mom's friend mm -hmm. or something but it ended up not happening and then he connected with my mom mm. and they were always keeping in touch and then they like linked back up a year later and then like so yeah. mom's kind of a soccer groupie no no i, no? I don't think no? she was now no, i think kidding. she was just like cause my dad is fucking hella handsome yeah like he was a good looking dude and he's played soccer so he was like hella ripped so my mom was probably like damn i want that duke <laughs> you know and then she got it so so how old were they when they linked up finally uh, I don't even know. I'm so bad with like ages. Did they get uh, married in Mexico? Yeah. And then my pops actually came over here earlier first to work and shit. And then eventually. What was he uh, doing over here for work? First, he started off as a grocery dude. And then he had a homie who worked at the Gillette, the paper mate, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted a job there, but they were never hiring. But he would literally show up every day in the office, like go to the front office and just be like, hey, I'm, I need a job. I'll be a janitor. I'll do whatever. Like, let it's me just know. Persistent. Yeah. And then after like seven months, he started off as the janitor. And then um, he fucking killed the janitor game. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, he met the People dude. were literally eating off the toilet. Yeah. Like, These are so a, fucking clean. Yeah, it's like, damn, Nemesio. Mm. <laughs> and then, uh, so then I think he was cleaning the office of some, I'm probably fucking up the story, but he was like the one there, this one dude took a liking of him who was like, who was like one of the human resource hiring people. And he's like, Hey, you know, we have this open position for 
uh, like a machine mechanic or some shit. And then like he got into that and then he just kept going up and up and up and up. And then like he just stayed there for like what year, happened like, to the soccer career? Ah, uh, he just got old. Like, oh. yes, yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't like back in the days; it wasn't glory. Like, you were like, getting paid shit. It's not like now. It wasn't like very glorious. It was, yeah. But uh, he couldn't make money. He wanted a family out here. So yeah. So your brother was already born when he took off to the states, or no? Yeah, everyone was born in America. They get married in Mexico. He comes over and tries to kind of start a little nest egg so that he can bring your mom over. Yeah, yeah. Just to get a little guap going. Was he like then- sending money back to her? Um, I think I would assume. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Yeah, I would hope so. So then, how'd your mom get across? It was a lot easier at that time. Like they filed for citizenship and they got it within like a couple months. Cool. So your dad got arrested, but your oh mom yeah, he didn't. got yeah no she yeah because he came over he would come over to my uncles and shit and like mm. uh, I think he got arrested twice doing that and they just like you know come back over you know so you'd get arrested get shit back and then just yeah, sneak just, across yeah, again yeah, come back that's come tight, back man. over fucking dad's very um, persistent huh. Yeah, he's one of the most persistent people. Annoyingly persistent sometimes. Why? Which is tight. No, you know, he's just like very like, you have to do everything right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Which is like good. Yeah. Were they extra hard on you as an immigrant family, like doing good in school and like work hard and... Nah, they were actually, it was like pretty chill. The only thing was my mom was always scared of me being a cholo. Like she wouldn't, she was like, you can't wear tall white socks, you know, kind of shit. It's just like, mom. Don't shave your head. Yeah. So, I mean. Was your brother ever a cholo? Nah, he was just a dorky DJ guy. Yeah. He was awesome. So you were like eight when he's 18. When he's 18, what's he doing? Uh, Not letting me in his room. Yeah. Like, we would share a room, and I would always, like, just be locked out. <laughs> just fucking, just like, you know, he'd be in there with his girlfriend or whatever. But having like, a cool older brother, did that give you an up on everybody else at your school? Did you have, like, the hip shit for yourself? Kind of. I mean, it, eh, yeah. I mean. You're from the Valley, yeah? Yeah, Van Nuys, California. Van Nuys. I was just there the other day at the train station. What was it like growing up in the valley, man? I think I thought it was tight. A lot of people hate, you know, like people from like I guess like the greater Los Angeles. Yeah, they're they're oh that's not that's not LA and shit and like there's and then when you ask them, it's like oh what what specifically don't you like about the valley? They don't really have like an answer. The answer is like it's, it's a long drive. Yeah, it's like there's nothing to do out there. And I was like I don't know. I think it's a good place. I couldn't live there now, but I think it's a good place to grow up. Yeah, personally, just because like. I don't know, like house parties with the shit. You is know it a saying? little? Like, is it a little safer than like the uh, Greater Los Angeles or no? I would say yeah, but then you get like the fucking dumbass like wannabe white gangster dudes who like roll around their Escalades and they like they got guns, but they think they're fuck you know, and it's just like those guys are like the douchebags that you got to worry about. Yeah. So it's not really. I mean, Pacoima and shit. Like my best friend growing up, Rashid, he used to live in Pacoima, and we would go. He lived in this apartment complex, and there was this like. I remember there was one situation there where there was uh, we heard this woman screaming, and we we're like hella young. I think we we're in like uh, probably six, six, fifth grade. We hear this yell, this woman yelling, and we go downstairs and we see this lady outside with fucking scratches and shit. And she's like, it looks very, very, very scared. And then she like walks off, and then we see this fucking dude in like a wife beater come up. And then uh, he's just like, you know, kind of panting or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, hey, uh, dude, we just saw some lady. Like, she looked like she was hurt and like, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at us and he goes, maybe she deserved it. Oh, <laughs> and I was shit. just like, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go back upstairs, you know. But <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess like Pacoima and all that side, but I mean, it was pretty chill. Yeah. I, mean, I was never really. So you get to high school and you're starting to get your little musical interests. Were you smoking the doobies back then and stuff? Nah, I mean, I did at like probably eighth, ninth grade just to be cool. Yeah. But I mean, I, I get really creepy when I smoke. So it's like I, now I only smoke to go to sleep because I got insomnia. So yeah. it's like I'll smoke to relax and chill. But like I was never really like a pothead. Yeah, drinking is more your thing, huh? Yeah. You have fun with the drinking. I do. I do. I've toned down a lot. Your drinking never strikes me as an issue. It's more of just a turn up. Yeah, I'm not I'm not an atom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so when you when you um when you get your, your keyboard and your friend gets the MPC, what did you guys start tinkering with? Uh we try to make on Nasdam beats pretty much essentially. Like what are we, those like break beats with like weird samples? Yeah, just like collage kind of esque things. And I oh so funny. So I remember we we had this like me and him had this fake rap group. We would do. We would perform at the talent shows as Sexy Mexi, uh-huh. and then we'd do like these. Uh, actually, we would rap. The first one we did was over a personal journals beat, and it was like we was stupid songs about. It was just the dumbest. Like I don't know. We had a song about a cheeseburger or some shit, and like, yeah. and then um, we would try to make like serious raps like yeah. back at the spot, and then uh, so we were like 
try to make these metaphors that we didn't even know like what meant but it sounded tight you know what i'm saying so like we would do all that shit and then we had one show my band briefcase scenario originally started as an art band Uh we had one show it was kind of awkward and we ended up like just ended up just going like dance why awkward it was just weird because we were all trying to be artsy and shit and like we had hella homies so like we we played this bar and it was like completely sold out yeah we probably had we played like seven why was it sold out who was there playing us it was just just yeah i don't want to toot my own horn but i was you know i was always kind of like a popular kid yeah so So all your friends came out yeah they were like down to support and like the talent shows were always funny and shit so like they're like oh let's go see rashid and romo's band and then uh it it was definitely not what they expected you know we had like very like eerie intros and shit and just like I don't know. It's just not not the leg. Well, it's funny because knowing you now, like uh, I don't know if you realize like how creative and kind of like low key prolific you are. You're always tinkering with something in in some kind of like multi genre or you know multimedia facet. And it's like you're really fucking creative and talented, and you're always working Thank on you, shit. Lee. Thank but you. I, but I feel like it, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you feel like you're an artist? I I don't know I don't, I don't know I you like know, I like right? I like making but that's that's what, that's that's what I'm saying, saying but you yeah, don't yeah. feel but I feel like you you don't feel like an artist is that is that is yeah that, I get yeah yeah definitely I wouldn't like if someone goes oh what do you do so I don't say I'm an artist from the outside looking in you're an artist and and that's the thing is that you just have a lot of different canvases that you paint with you know what I mean but I've noticed that theme where like with your songwriting and with just kind of everything that you partake in it's always kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like you can write good folk songs, but they're always kind of jokey. <laughs> well, yeah. I try to trick myself into writing serious songs. That's my mentality. Like yeah. I told you, like I'll write a song that's like, oh, this, you know, to the average, it'll sound like a, like a love song. But in my mind, it's a song about zombies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, it's like, that's how I trick myself into like writing serious shit. Why don't you get serious? Why are you scared of being serious, bro? I'm not scared of being serious. Why are you, sca- why are you scared know, to pursue like, your emotions, homie? I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to. This is the year of emotions. Yeah. Wait till my goth album No, drops. it's funny because I think like uh, a lot of the output that you you make like you make dope beats you can rap you can play guitar you sing etc etc but it's it's always like it's all these things that people wish they could do and you're like oh, i'm just joking when i do it i'm just fucking around <laughs> well i think that's how it always like you know i don't know i feel like things that always usually pop off start off as like a non-serious thing yeah you know for I mean? sure it's just like, I don't know. yeah like i remember hearing like mayor hawthorne just start off as a joke yeah you know what i mean and now it's like this huge pop sensation yeah. thing you're in high school and you're tinkering with music you got a band and then briefcase scenario becomes kind of like a what, what would you call briefcase scenario like a tongue-in-cheek dance rap group yeah i mean the influence behind that was we wanted to do like a, a current day two live crew with like dance like influence beats and, and shit. with like all white people <laughs> yeah i mean that just kind of just happened well i mean you know me and rashid were mexican mm. and uh we posted one song on MySpace and it got hella good reaction. And it was like a joke. It was a joke song, like about uh, I think it's called which one? Was it? I ain't trying to fuck. And originally it was just a song about uh, not trying to fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> that well, sounds like a, a Lonely t- Island song. Yeah, it was. It's, uh, yeah. So then, um, yeah, that just did good. So then we just kept doing like that kind of shit, and it picked up, and it was tight. At this time, did you go to high school with like a lot of the Broken Complex dudes, or like how do you know those guys? No. Oh, okay. So I linked up. With them, I went to high school with DJ Silly Kid, who now makes beats for Ratchet Set. Uh, well, we weren't really friends. I knew him because I was a DJ in high school, and he was a DJ, and he was like doing DJ shit, like cool shit. So I was always be like, "Oh, there's Silly Kid" or whatever. And I remember he would try to slang me T-shirts in high school. Him and Hoppa uh, had this screen printing like company thing, whatever. And they were like trying to slang shirts to kids and stuff. But that was the extent of that. Yeah. Then, so then, to take it back for a second to explain to the audience of those of you who might not be like that heavy in the LA, like whatever, whatever. Broken Complex is like a kind of a, what a underground label based out of the valley um and hoppa owns it and runs it right so dj hoppa he's now hopson's dj yeah right all that crew he djs for all the funk volume now but he's been running broken complex which like syra was on yeah and who else uh minus yeah minus um so and they've been throwing shows in the valley for like years now ever since i've they've always been involved in like the underground rap community right right and so those are like people that you were friends with yeah yeah, well, I mean, I, it was weird because I didn't like. I knew I would go to the parties and I'd fucking, uh, you know, it was like house parties that they would set up shop and like they would have bands and then like Minus and Hoppa would play and I would just go and get fucked up and then like so that that was my extent of knowing them and then 
my homie Ray, who uh, is now deceased, R.I.P. Ray, um, he was good friends with Hoppa through, I don't know, I forgot what the connection was. And then he, Hoppa found out he was in this band. He's like, yo, I want to book you for the show. And then we play the show and it was like pretty much sold out at the Little Rock in the Valley. And it was like, it was super cracking. And uh, that's when Hoppa, he was like, yo, you know, like, I really want to work with you guys. And then we've always kind of like been in similar circles, but never really, you know, linked up and stuff. And then that's, you know, that's how I started linking up with all the broken complex dudes. And like, now I consider them like family. Shout out to broken complex. I, I, I always liked dealing with them cause it was hard getting shows in the Valley, but they were always holding it down and they were always Hoppa and stereotype all them dudes. Like they were always good about if they booked you for a show, they were going to pay you. Yeah, and that yeah. was fucking tight. Cause back yeah. then when I was doing that, it was like, nobody was paying, you know what I mean? So yeah. shout out to those guys, good business people. So <laughs> was stereotype a part of broken complex back then? No, no. He was part of a crew called life for the better, which oh, was that's right. life clean. For the better. Oh, yeah, clean, clean was in that crew. Clean's also in broken complex. But yeah. that, that was that connection. I knew there was some kind of similar connection. I forgot about life for the better. That's right. Yeah. L F O T B. Right. Yeah. No, L F T B. Life for no, the no, better. No, 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 no. No, but so anyways, um, so you start doing shows with Hoppa and them, yeah? Yeah, and then, uh, so then he wanted to put out uh, a briefcase album, and I kind of, I didn't think it was like a good fit for that. Were you kind of the centerpiece of briefcase? Like, were you, the, were you the one that, the glue that held everything together? I mean, I would do all the recordings and everything was done at my house, yeah. I guess. But I mean, me, Rashid, and Asher would do all the writing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so we'd have ideas, like Rash would come with a beat, like a, a, a skeleton, and I'd add... You know, I change the drums and add more melodies, whatever. And then Asher would come in and be like, "Oh, you should do a harmony there or some shit." You know what I mean? Right. So it was like it was really just rash me and. Uh, I guess I asked if you were the glue because I kind of feel like as far as the you and Adam being partners with Ham now, it's kind of like if he's the idea guy, you're the one that actually makes it happen and holds it down. I guess. I mean, Adam, kind, Adam, Adam does a lot. No, absolutely. I'm not trying to take anything away from Adam, but what I mean is like I'm, with, OC, with, I'm OCD. So with I, with yeah. with, with ratchet <laughs> set with flyers videos, like you're the one that can push the buttons and make things appear on the screen, kind of. You know? Yeah. What I mean? Like when when it comes to all that stuff, like we'll just like come up with concepts and then I'll execute it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So. And how did you learn um, to record stuff? Because you're pretty handy. You're a pretty handy engineer. Is that just tinkering over time? Yeah. Oh, everything stems from not trusting people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't want them to do it because I have an idea in my head. Yeah. So I'm going to figure out how to do it myself. Yeah. So that's usually, that's the same. You know, I figured out how to make beats that way. I figured out how to write, you know, songs that way, how to record that way, do videos that way. It's just like. Has me. a lack of trust always been something with you? No, I, well, creatively, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I have a weird time trusting people with like similar. Uh, you have a vision ideas. in your head that you want to see it yeah, executed. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, yeah, it's just, I, I want it this exactly how it's in my head. So right. I'll, I'll, that's the way I'll do it. Right, right. And I'll, yeah, so I'll just teach myself because I, you know, so that's pretty much. Right. Because, and, and I feel like you must have taught yourself a lot of things because you do a lot of things. How did you get into video? Well, I went to college for video production, I guess, but I never really did videos there. I just knew I had a lot of ideas and I would write scripts and stuff. Where did you go to school? CSUN. Oh, at CSUN. Yeah, Matadors. Okay. Did you graduate? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. look at you. You're like the exact opposite story of Adam. I know, right? You have a healthy family <laughs> and fucking, you, get, you went to college and graduated. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so at CSUN, you're doing video production? Yeah, yeah. I graduated from that. And then like, I just- But what do you mean you weren't doing videos while you were there? I mean, I was just taking the class, but I didn't have any gear and shit. And like, I just had all these ideas. And then um, I didn't start actually like laying shit down visually until my senior year in college where we had like these directing classes and shit and then i'd always be like i would always step up and be like oh i want to direct this i got this idea you know and then like that's where i technically kind of started but i mean really not until after college i i had like i used all my financial aid on uh gear like i bought my my pro tools rack my fucking camera gear everything was from financial aid and i would just use that and on my own time, I'd go and figure out shit and like, yeah, and just like film. You use financial aid after you graduate? During senior years, I used the, I think that all that money for the Pro Tools and then the second or for the like the 003 rack, whatever. And then the the senior financial aid, like the end second semester, whatever, I used all on camera gear and shit. What was the end goal when you were buying all that? So did you have an idea in your head? No, nah, it I seems wanna, like you kind of fall wanna, into shit. Yeah, I just want to make shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it seems like you I just want to do cool shit, bro. It seems like you just kind of serendipitously <laughs> fall into like cool shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just want to keep making. I guess. Yeah. And I have different ideas for different things. And like you know, I had an idea for a video, but I don't want someone else to do it. I guess it's prideful too, because I want to say I did it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then I just figure it out and do it myself. Talk about some of the music videos that you've done. 
I guess the most viewed ones that I have are oh, one of yours. No, I, mine's like the least viewed of yours. You well, have a lot of big ones. Well, I did the the riffraff videos. I did. I did time and summer of surf, and I did Syrah's uh, double yellow lines. Double yellow lines. That was actually my first real attempt at a music video. Yeah. Yeah, and then I've done stuff for uh, Antoine. We just did one for him, and then um, I'm in the talks right now with speaks uh figure something out with him yeah. yeah and then you did my first day of summer one yes which was lovely you had me sweat out for in methville in methville in a fucking rubber suit in 100 degree weather i was actually scared for you i lost about seven pounds we were gonna leave you there that was died, the first the time we ever hung out and you were and you were basically tor- <laughs> you were basically torturing me that was a fun day i knew you, yeah well, we became good friends after that yeah. because we, that was like I, a mini road trip because i lived through hell for a day with you so i was like oh he must be cool like they, they tolerated me being a fucking whiny bitch i was actually day. scared of you by the end of the day because you would uh when we were doing the takes you would finish your verses by screaming and throwing your mask off because you were so hot oh man and it, it was, was like i had to get it was like I would get to the last word and just have to rip the hood off because it was so hot. And there's just cups of water at the bottom of the boots of the of the suit from sweating so much, so terrible. But it was it, the video came out great. It was, it was it was a fun experience. And that's really I feel like that was the day that like the three of us really started hanging out oh, consistently sure. yeah, afterwards. Yeah. It's like oh wait I can fucking get along with these guys for a whole day and that's like a rarity yeah. nowadays. <laughs> so yeah, that's tight. Uh, so. You are a little younger than Adam, and so I'm trying to like put the timeline together of like how did you get involved in the LA scene? Like, did you move down here? So Rashid was dating this girl, yeah, and we met her friends, and they were really tight. And then they found out we were in a band, and they really liked our band, so we started hanging out with all them because they're all musicians. And there was this house in the valley that they'd have shows that like they had a, a stage in the living room it was super tight every weekend there'd be like fucking 60 kids there just partying and shit. Yeah. So like I got linked up with all those dudes, and then that was like. A fucking awesome era of like a year and a half two years and then they all started moving to like echo park and all that so then i would start coming out there for uh shows and just like kicking it and then i started working in echo park and then that's when i finally moved when you were crew. working at a, in echo park was that at sergeant house yeah sergeant house. so yeah, what, yeah. what did you do at sergeant house uh, tell people what sergeant house is who aren't familiar sergeant house is a fucking awesome record company ran by kathy pillow and uh they put out you know experimental shit metal shit uh just progressive shit it's just really good music that they put out and you were a fan of them already yeah 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 so that was kind of a dream job in a sense yeah it kind of just it was weird because uh i got there because of the homie chase who now uh he's a manager for isaiah and shout out to to chase yeah he's like one of the people i look up to the most and he we had mutual friends uh we were at a bar for this our mutual friend's birthday and he was like i didn't know him at the time and he was talking he's like oh what do you do i was like oh, i just graduated or I, it was my senior year i was like oh, i'm going to school for video production and like i'm in this band and blah 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 he's like oh you should come intern for us like we have a production company and we do music and shit i was like okay tight so then i just interned there for a year and then eventually i got offered a job to do all their like and sergeant houses like mars volta they also ran uh omar from the mars volta separate label or l productions oh, okay but they would also do stuff with uh the mars volta and shit so who are the main bands on sergeant house um fuck they have a, a grip i mean i'll just name a few Terramellos, uh one of my fucking favorite bands of all time um there's red sparrows there's marriages there's uh Red Fang, there's uh, RX Bandits was one of the first oh, yeah. people on there. Um, and so what did you start doing there as an intern? Uh, just bullshit shit, like, you know, mail outs and like, you know, runs, bank runs and stuff. And eventually I started designing flyers. I started doing promo merch and shit. Like Where that, did you so. get your design background from? Just something you taught yourself? Yeah, at home. Just like figuring it out. What Photoshop. programs were you using? Photoshop? Just Photoshop. Yeah. And then eventually... After college, I was like, oh, I should probably learn Illustrator. So like now I go between both. So you taught yourself Illustrator too? Yeah, I'm like super ghetto when I do shit. Like I'm sure like a real graphic designer will look at my shit the way I'm doing it and they'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? I was right. like, well, it works for me. Yeah, like, yeah. I, the outcome is what matters to me, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like very, I don't know. I you have your own method. Yeah, exactly. It's but not, that's uh, good. You're a lifelong learner. I, I think one of the uh, most important lessons that you're preaching about and something that I've learned over the years too is that if you want to participate in an independent hustle, you have to do a little of everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because people... Uh, the people that follow what I do might be like, oh, he's a rapper, but they don't realize that like I'm also my manager, my graphic yeah, designer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, my pro- like not producer musically, but I'm like my producer in a sense that I have to set up music video planning and, yeah. and all that stuff. And 
you are your own social media advisor, whatever. Yeah. Like you have to do all that shit. And I feel like that's something that you've taught yourself as well. Yeah, it's, I definitely think it's like a necessity. I mean, yeah. you gotta know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. With Sergeant House, when did you start getting into their video production stuff? Like when did they decide to take you on? Actually, I, I was gonna leave because I had already graduated there and I was, I graduated and I was still there for like a while. And I was just like, F- I gotta make money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I gotta. So then uh, I was just like, hey, Kathy, uh, I gotta. I got to take off and find work, you know, I was like, but thank you. I appreciate it. I, you know, I learned a lot here and she's like, Oh, I didn't even know you graduated. It's like, you just want to work here. <laughs> and I was like, Oh fuck. I was like, hell yeah, I want to work here. So then she just offered me a job and then I just, yeah. So I started doing all like Sonny K uh, is the main art director there. When I was there, who's like my fucking idol. He used to run GSL records. And uh, so he would do all like the main album artwork and like, he was like the art director and I would do like, show posters and like basic merch stuff and like and then eventually i started doing a video production for them i would do classroom sessions like little promos and stuff and so at this point you already had camera gear and stuff yeah 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 was it something in school where you were taking classes to learn how to edit or is editing something that you take no, I, did, I didn't never took editing class i just did so you just figured, figured it out, out myself yeah, yeah wow uh and so you started video editing for them yeah yeah but it, I was like, at first I was like, I have a weird thing with telling people that I do things. Yeah. I want them to find out because I feel like it feels better that way, you know, as opposed to like, oh, I do this. Let me do this. You know? Absolutely. So, I feel like that's a more humble route and it's a more likable thing. And, and and that's the thing is that if someone is supposed to find out that you do something, they will. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then eventually they found I did video work and then they're like, oh, cool. Like you should do this and this. And then that's how I started getting more involved with like the video aspects. Yeah. Which and I enjoyed. Had you started shooting your own music videos yet at that point? Uh, yeah, I think I had done the Syrah video and I had done, uh, I think they might have known after the Riff Raff Time video. Wow, so you really just started tinkering with the, the video shit because you're really good at it. Kind of, oh, thank you. Yeah, but I mean, uh, like, yeah. damn, the WL Lines was like 2011. Yeah, that was my first real attempt at That's like not that uh, long yeah. ago at yeah. all. And so you started doing video stuff for Sergeant House after that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. When did you and adam meet and how did you meet the first initial like kind of introduction to adam was uh i was hanging out at this party at a spot called the girl's house that was uh a lot of the girls from big whoop were living there and it was just uh, a very a musical community whatever and i think michael knott was there passing out flyers for the show he's playing and we looked and it said hipsters aren't hip-hop and it was like hip-hop show blah 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 and i was just like this is the fucking gay shit i've ever seen in my life it's right. like who the fuck's gonna name a party hipsters who hard hip hop, you know? And then like, I started seeing, right, more I touched fight. on that in the podcast. Yeah. Adam, it's like, yeah. some, it was like some shit at the time where either you got it and you were like, laughed at it or you were like, I hate this. Yeah. And I didn't know Adam at the time. So I didn't know it was like tongue in cheek. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So like, I thought it was literally a dude who was like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So then I started seeing more flyers and then low key in the back of my head, I was like, I kind of want to play one of these, you know, they yeah. like, cause the lineups were tight, you know? And then, um, eventually, uh, the homie Chris Sanchez went, took a class with the girl in our group, Annie. And then uh, he found out that they were in this band. She was in this band, my band. And then told Adam, "It's like, oh, you should book this band. They like rap about sex and shit." <laughs> and then and we ended up just eventually getting booked, and we played. And then that's how I first met him. And then after that, I just really fucked with you know the movement like that. It was just cool. He's just doing cool shit. So like, yeah, you know, I feel like a briefcase scenario kind of reminded me of like what Spank Rock was doing early on. Yeah or nay. I guess. I don't know. In my eyes, we were always just like a broke two live crew version who wore spandex. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Because the, fir- <laughs> the first time I saw you was at that party that you guys played. That was the first time that I uh, encountered you. And you had on like these uh, spandex shorts that were like looked as if they were naked. Oh, yeah. Like they had literally had a dick on them. And you guys were like dancing everywhere and getting all crazy. And I was kind of like, oh, man, is this what rap's going to be now? <laughs> Fuck. Because it was like really good and people were feeling it. But I was like, yeah. Fuck, is this what rap's gonna be? Like, <laughs> god damn it. And, and like, kind of sad that I was like feeling like uh, maybe I was gonna get outdated or something. But uh, so you scared me. That's how good it was. Yeah. You scared me at awesome. first. Yeah, yeah, I'm it was glad, fun. And, you, and you had like chicks in the group. And uh, I still wear those shorts, by the way. You saw me at the jacuzzi the other day with those shorts. Yeah. Remember ju- I walked out? In your swim short. We filmed the promo shirt. on those shorts. Yeah, I did. That I never made, got I aired. Made, I made you wear those. Yeah. You played that show, and then did you and Adam kind of click instantly? Yeah, we played the show, and then like that's when I realized that like he was doing good shit. Like the. Like that lineup was Mestizo, uh, Speak, Briefcase Scenario, and I forgot who else opened. And then, um, like, that was just a cool ass show, you yeah, know? And yeah. I was like, all right, this is fucking tight, you know? Yeah, it was yeah. like a cool vibe. And then we left, same situation. He hit me up. He's like, yo, we got your money. Come back. 
Except I actually came back. <laughs> yeah. It charges the game. <laughs> and then he uh, he gave me five bucks. <laughs> five I, yeah, bucks? Five bucks. And I was like, but it doesn't matter how much it was. The point is that, like, I'm sure. He tried. It, yeah. He, like, you know, he put the effort out. Like, I'm sure he didn't make any money on that show. But, like, the fact that he gave me five. I was like, yeah, oh, he's a genuine ass, like, nice dude. You know? Right, so, right. Like, and he's doing cool shit. See, so, you, uh, you people out there think that musicians were out here making money. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're making money, but it's five bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get some Taco Bell after the show. Right. Yeah, here, you guys go to 7-Eleven and go crazy afterwards right? each of you could get in arizona yeah. so he gives you your five bucks and you guys and you guys just kept in contact yeah and then um from there on i was like i kind of hit him up well i would i think after that he he wanted to start a rap group and yeah and uh, he hit me up and we went to the homie kid static's house and uh Originally, we were trying to start a group called Gusto Click Mob, uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, so then I think that's when we really became friends. And then I was like, "Yo, like I really like what you're doing. Like if you need flyers and shit or whatever, like let me know. I can do shit." Yeah. And then that's just when I started getting involved. You know. Yeah. With, like that. What was the first party you guys threw together? I think the first one was the Echo, right? The Anna- Hipsters Heart with Freestyle Fellowship sold. No, no, it was no? Uh, it was the one with Esquire. Oh. Uh, Esquire, No Can Do. Uh, who else played that show? Scheme played that show. CBG. Um, Ninja Sonic. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was like the first real thing that I was a And part that was of. at the Echo or the Echo Plex? The Echo. Okay, yeah. cool. And then that was like the transitional period to Hamilton. Because I wasn't really involved for Hipster's Heart Hip Hop. Were you part of um, Hipster's Heart Hip Hop Radio? No, no. I was not involved. That was just Stereotype and, and Adam? Yeah, I was I was. Did not, you already know Stereotype beforehand? No, I kind of, I would see him at the Hipsters Heart Hip Hop show, and I knew that he, because Clean was in Broken Complex, yeah. which I was involved with, I knew that they had a link. Yeah. But I didn't, oh, what, Stereotype, I used to see at Anacon shows back in the day. Oh, okay. Him and Clean, he was like the dude we'd always see in line with a leather jacket. Mm. And we would literally, at every fucking show, it'd be me and Rash, and we would see fucking stereotyping clean but we never talked to them it was mm. weird and then they I were like said, a bizarro version of you guys yeah, yeah i guess yeah yeah. Oh, r- yeah and then that's how and then i saw him years later uh when i played a show i saw clean and then he was telling me about stereotypes I was like oh that's that one dude from the anacon shows and then, uh yeah so then like five years later we ended up you know hanging out yeah yeah so when you first decided to start getting involved in the parties what how, how did how did it work was it kind of like you know did you reach out and say hey i want to help or did adam say hey i need help or no, like, i reached out yeah. i was like yo let me get involved like you know let me make fucking like the off the bat like one thing i know i'm good at is like flyers and shit so yeah. like we were at that transitional so they dropped the hipsters are hip-hop and then like you know i wanted to do i i have a very uh ocd thing with sh- making shit clean you know and, like yeah. the flyers you know all of that shit before it was like it was very diy but I, I wanted to make it like yeah the nice the, 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 the hipsters who heart hip hop flyers used to be like hand drawn with crayon and then yeah. Xerox <laughs> right <laughs> and then so you guys went ham on everything and he mentioned in the previous podcast that you were like helping out giving the money to make the shows happen yeah so then like you know it costs money to throw shows you know yeah. and then like I feel like um, I was just down to put myself out there to help with any means necessary and it costs money to throw a show you know and like and it seems like with what he was saying also in the previous podcast is that he's very unorganized and was just shoving wads of money in his pocket and didn't know what to do with it and it yeah. seems like you've helped with that in that you're very OCD and organized and you probably yeah. made a method to the madness very yeah, quickly I like flipped out like when we were doing uh, the uh Oh, I'm so bad at remembering shit. At the villa parties, yeah. he'd be walking around and be like, hey, we gotta pay this dude. He'd just like pull out wads out of his pocket and then he wouldn't know at the end of the night like what was his. And I was like, bro, like let me just fucking handle the all this money. shit. Yeah. yeah. So then like now, you know, we you know, it's like a run like a real business where we have like spreadsheets for shit. And, yeah. Like, you know, and then yeah. After the success of the um the one at the standard rooftop pool and it seemed like things were gonna start to get going, what was the next move after that? Um, well, we've always liked the warehouse scene just because like the i mean the concept is always kind of just like taking what hipsters do and then making it hip-hop you know because yeah. like it's just like fun you know and changing the environment but like making it you know ours so then after the the um the standard party we just kept concentrating on the, like the warehouse parties and really what made ham on everything ham on everything was the villa parties because we did we did an after party for this lasita show we did with syra and uh, we had Stunna Man, we had uh, Riff Raff, we had 
uh, the Mike B, and it was like not no one showed up. <laughs> it really? was like yeah, it was like well, it was weird because like the people who were there were super tight. It was like Kid Sister was back there, like fucking CVG homies, like all the people that were there were super like cool people. But there wasn't like the influencers were there, but the people that they were influencing were not yet attending. Yeah, so it was like it, that was weird. And then we tried, you know, the the Echo the Echo show was like good, but it wasn't really like cracking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then. What I really solidified ham on everything was these villa parties because we just like we brought out dope people and put them in a weird ass environment. It was like literally like a house party, like this two story just spot, and it was it was fucking grimy, it was sweaty, but there was like good acts and just everyone could wow the fuck out. Like it was amazing. What were some of the first lineups that you guys were doing at the villa parties? Uh, we had uh, I'm trying to think. We had Danny Brown play. We had Stunner Man play. One of the Brick Squad dudes came through. Uh, I'm so, I'm so bad with like names and shit. I'm trying to think. What was the process from transitioning from um, the Villa House? Did you guys throw a couple shows there? Three shows? Four shows? We How threw shows? a total of four for four weeks, and it was hell. Um, and I hated it. But why? It was awesome. Why was it hell? Because we had to like load in fucking. Because it's so much of a process to throw a warehouse party. Like you, you got to realize it's literally an empty room, and we go in there and fucking make it a party. You know, like right. we, we got to bring our own booze. We got to bring our own sound. We got to bring our own lights. We got to fucking get security team. So it's like doing. What that, was the, so? What was the learning? curve like uh the first party was it a disaster that it wasn't a disaster it was just a lot of work like that that month of the four uh each week part having having a party like really checked us into like okay this is exactly what we needed like do you know what i mean and then eventually when we the first party we did with the well that's when we stepped up our production game when it comes to like sound because we used to have shitty sound like you know there was like smaller venues or whatever and then um Eventually, we did a party with the well, and it was like this huge warehouse, and they had this like fucking crazy ass like fucking eight subset like big ass like it was just the craziest sound ever. And me and Adam were like, "Oh fuck, this is like what it's really supposed to be like." And then after that, that's when we started working with like you know actual sound and like really, really, really getting into like bigger productions and shit. How did you start branching out to find these people? Because it seems like everybody's kind of trying to stay under the radar. So it's like a secret society that you have to break into somewhat. Yeah. Uh, so, cause you have to find the venue and there are dozens of them. Yeah. You have to find a security team who are all kind of a little, you know, they're... well, the thing with yeah, everyone's shady. Yeah. <laughs> you have shady. to get, you start dealing with, um, you know, like you said, the booze and making your own bar and then you have to have bartenders and then you have to have a door girl that you trust. Shout out to Yulia. Fucking most, most trustworthy, She's awesome so door awesome. girl. Uh, you know, and then, yeah, you have to deal with sound and booking the artist. So that's a lot of people to book. How did you guys start um, finding your security teams? How did you start finding your venues? How did you do that? From It's really just reaching out to people who are doing it. And yeah. luckily, like, everyone was kind enough to, like, help out. You know what I mean? So, like, sometimes if we need a warehouse... I mean, we have little tricks here and there to find warehouses. Adam's really good at finding spots. But we'll hit up someone who, like, we knew through a party two months ago at a location. And, like, you know, we're like, hey, can we get their info or whatever? It's just, it's just like, really... Uh, playing telephone with like other people who are throw events but because i feel like the events we're throwing aren't stepping on people's toes because it's not necessarily we're not doing a house party you know so it's not their crowd it's like we definitely have our own crowd so i feel like we can reach out to other people for advice because we're not as uh intimidate like they're not people aren't scared we're gonna take their shit because it's everyone has their own shit that's what what i was gonna ask too um you mentioned other people that are throwing parties like you said the well the guys from iheart comics you got all these people that that you work with now when you guys were first coming on in on the scene um nobody probably necessarily wants to co-sign you at first so how how did you go from being these guys these just these random guys throwing parties to like now everybody kind of fucks with you you know what i mean well, it's just like anything. Once people start realizing shit's popping off, they want to get involved, you know? And it's like... And was there ever a time in the beginning where people were kind of like, oh, who the fuck are these guys? Like maybe maybe like little jabs from other people or whatever? Yeah, I'm sure uh, like for booking wise, I'm sure I think in the beginning Adam would hit people up and then they'd be not really down. And then like now they're hitting us up to play our parties. So it's like, you know, that kind of thing. But it was really just like a weird growth. And once like you get to a certain level and people see you, that you're doing something you, unique, you know, then they're open arms. And it's like, luckily it was people who were opening their arms that we really respected. So it was super tight to like, like now we're in that circle, which is something that like we've always wanted to be in. Like, yeah. What was the, the party that you felt was the turning point when you're like, 
wow, this shit is really something. The Party with the Well. I think Alexander Spit played that one. And it was uh, it was in this weird, it was ran by this like fucking vampire meth guy. It was, <laughs> it was a very dark, it was like a weird, uh, I'll, I'll tell the story after this. But yeah, so this party that we did with the well, was the first, it was called Ham on the Well. That was the first time we ever worked with them. And we showed up and there was like 800 kids there and it was completely full to the back. There was this like, huge production and it was, it was fucking crazy. And like, I was like, I literally... It was like a movie. I was like standing behind the DJ booth and I was looking out and it was just fucking crazy. I was just like, oh my God, we did this. Like, who else played that? Alex Spin? Who else? Um, I think it was Alex Spit. I think Warren Brew played that. Party. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we had uh, Tamara Sky, Total Freedom, and um, Bren Mar DJ that one. Nice. So it was just like overall, it was like every act was tight. And then it was, it was just like, it felt like we were doing something big. And that was like mid 2012, early 2012? I would say. Uh, 2012 ish. Yeah, it was in 2012. I'm so I'm bad at dates, uh, directions, and names. Yeah. So, which is probably not very good for interviews, but no, it's fine. I I, like I'm chocolate. bad at names. I'm bad at names. What's my name? Uh, David Romo. What's my middle actually name? the like when we met? I was bad with your name. I think we had to meet like three times before. I was like, oh, that's Adam's fucking. That's Adam's new partner. I, I didn't. It. I didn't like you when I first met you. Lee. What? Now you're now you're one of my best friends. I didn't like you when I first met you because you were wearing dick shorts. They were tight though. No, they were so they. tight. They were like a good sized dick too. It wasn't like uh, no, it's a little you know, dangler. It was a little yeah, but it was like a solid dangler. Like you <laughs> knew when it was gonna kick in. Like it was gonna be like just a fucking horse cock. But it wasn't too extreme at first. You know, oh, I think those were tight shorts. Yeah. Um, so you guys, shout out, shout out to my, my dick shorts. You guys' parties are kind of known. Um, well, you, you know the type of music. It's not trap in the sense that people know trap now because EDM trap is so popular. But I feel like you guys kind of played, uh, or you guys were at least early adopters to the whole trap thing. And it's never been necessarily the EDM trap. You guys are really playing like Waka. You guys are really playing Jeezy. You guys are really playing uh, all the Brick Squad shit, all the Gucci Mane shit, all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's kind of splintered off into like um, a lot of you know white dudes that make those kind of beats when those originated in the hood. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that scene splintering? off kind of i mean it's good and bad like it's good for like we can do an overlay now so like that's how because we were just doing strictly hip-hop kind of shit and then eventually we started dabbling in edm Mm -hmm. which is a great market and like people have fun there too so why not you know so i just don't like the help just like kids nowadays like will be like oh yeah i'm going to this uh, trap party and it's like literally just four on the floor or like you know just it's all this edm with triplets and it's like i i i consider that dance music i don't consider that trap music you know it has trap elements i guess yeah but then um it's tight but it's not i don't know i just feel like um i don't want to be uh a stubborn uh roots like oh you gotta know your roots you know like yeah. i get shit progresses yeah it's tight but i i don't know i just don't like when kids call it, you know tra- like we'll get kids i remember we were djing the oc once and this kid comes like oh can you play some dub and i was like oh you mean like some lee scratch perry i, I don't yeah. know he's like no no like you know like you know that trap shit uh, <laughs> i was like okay okay buddy uh, uh, but yeah so uh, like you guys have kind of um you guys have adopted the term ratchet you guys clothing line a lot of it says los angeles ratchets you did the raider shirt with the ratchet shit that everybody started kind of biting afterwards like there was uh, some prominent stores in la that literally ripped your design off which is kind of a common practice these yeah. days uh a lot of people from the outside looking in would be like um, oh, this is like a fucking sexist and misogynistic scene. And, and knowing you and knowing like you have a solid girlfriend and you're like a total teddy bear, you're not a misogynist, you're not a sexist. Like, yeah. how would you argue that fact? Like, you know, to, to let people know that it's not a sexist and misogynistic scene. The point of the parties is to come and have fun. Yeah. Like, regardless of what you do. And it's not like it's very uh, catered to women so that if like a girl wants to go on stage and just fucking express drop, herself and drop twerk, it like it's yeah, hot. exactly. Like, we have, we make it a point that there's no fucking creepy ass dudes lurking on stage like trying to fucking Slap grab their ass. pussies and shit and yeah. it's just like we try to create an environment where you could just fucking go wild but not like get you know fucked with by like creepy ass sus dudes and shit so it's like and then um adam had did a really good thing of like he really branded the name ratchet mm-hmm. like i didn't hear anyone using it as excessively as this fool and he'd just be like ratchet this ratchet 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 and i think it really stuck with people and then um so like now i consider ratchet a term of like oh come fucking it's like equip like come turn up come be ratchet you know at these parties and shit but it's not really like you know come get fucked at these like events um, so as far as like the day-to-day operation, take me through one of Romo's days because you have your hands in a lot of different shit. So 
tell me like what you operate in the company. Um, well, it varies. I mean, it really depends on the event, you know? Uh, so, so you're one of the party coordinators, obviously yeah. you help with the flyers. Yeah. The t-shirts, you design them. Yeah. Hats, you design them. Uh-huh. In, do you, in, do you do the shipping? Yeah. Shipping inventory, uh, just pretty much any kind of documentation, of, yeah. which is takes up a lot of fucking time and emails, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that you manage more of the production side and Adam kind of manages more of the, um, of the curation side? Oh, for sure. Adam is, he's really great with like coming up with lineups and like, you know, uh, ideas for how like the party, and he's you know probably the one like, reaching out to the artist to get him to yeah, play. He's like the, the go-to person for like, you know, so like, He'll yeah he he's the one in contact with the artists and, yeah. and managers and booking people. I'm like kind of the behind the scenes dude. Right. So where he's the one um, producing in a sense of going okay well we need to get this artist this artist this artist I'm gonna figure out uh, how to get to their management or get to their cell phone yeah. or whatever and he's booking them and then is he booking the flights for people and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we usually do the flights thing together because we're paying yeah. you know whatever so like i would put it this way he's like the easy and i'm the dr dre okay you know what i'm saying yeah, like, yeah. you know he's like the producer and then i'm like the producer sense of creating right a lot of like the t-shirt stuff do you guys talk about like oh we should do we should pay homage to this and, and yeah then- it's funny because i originally didn't want to do the ratchet hats why because uh, i don't know i thought like um I don't know what, what there's something about it I didn't like. And I was like, we got to do this. We got to do this, bro. And like, we had to make any, we didn't make anything at that point. We just wanted to make shit, you know, like clothing wise. And he's like, Oh, why don't we flip this? And then we, it was like a week and a half of us like kind of arguing. And then we're, I was like, fuck it. Let's just make it. It's like, well, it's funny that year that you guys came out with those Los Angeles ratchet hats. I think literally every streetwear company came out with their flip of that design, that yeah. old starter cap. Well, that's kind of always been around though. Like yeah. I feel like the hundreds did that. Like, well, yeah, the hundreds like did a, it. Young and reckless did yeah. it. I mean, everyone did it at a certain point but it's funny because now when i'm walking around i think i feel like in la that's the one that i see the most of that i would hope so that's the one that i see the most of that flip it's crazy (laughs) yeah that had did really fucking well i mean that's like really what not like got the clothing attention you know what i'm saying so like we went to i think it was the full goals feds we had a booth and that's when we just dropped like the the ratchet tanks where we flipped the shield with the yin yang the raider shield yeah yeah. and like dude we sold like fucking 2500 in like sales or some shit like it was i don't and also i was there hanging out just because uh you know you guys my friends and you're sitting at the booth and i didn't feel like being around a bunch of kids (laughs) that are popping mollies and sweating yeah so i'm sitting there and there's one raider's sweatshirt i remember that and a girl comes up and goes you know what? You look just like intuition. (laughs) And I said, I am intuition. And she goes, Oh my God, I'm going to buy something. Will you sign it if I buy it? And I, and I'm like, yeah, you should buy this sweatshirt. It's 60 bucks. (laughs) And she she fucking bought it. Cause it was, it it was $60 is the only one. And she bought it and I signed it with a silver Sharpie. And that was the the sweatshirt sale of the day. It's very rare. Yeah. It's out there. Shout out to the girl. The the first ratchet sweater with the intuition. (laughs) With my signature. That is a, that is a very nonsensical (laughs) juxtaposition of things, but it's fucking funny as hell. Yeah, Yeah. man. But yeah, so that like that hat, like really picked and we, we would always get like, I would get text messages and people would be tagging us and all this shit. Like that really blew up like that design. So I'm happy I ended up. So the crazy shit that I want to talk about now is the opportunities that have been arising for you guys since the parties have been cracking, because I know at this point, when you're the hot shit, people want to be involved with you, obviously. And I'm sure you've noticed that and you've watched it sprout out and opportunities arise as you get more popular and people that might have ignored you at the beginning are now on the dick or whatever, you know. But one of the interesting things that, that sticks out to me is like you guys got reached out uh, to do a reality show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to I mean, we don't have to talk about where it's going to end up. But I just think it's interesting that like somebody took interest in you guys' life and, and the parties that you're doing and they want to follow you guys with cameras and what's that like? That's fucking weird. I don't, I don't, it's, it's just like someone following behind you the whole entire time. It's just yeah. really strange, but it's tight. I mean, we had a, it was like very nonchalant. Like it was like a very small production at first. They'd go and just film us hanging out. And then like the bigger, weird one was we threw this you know we had a warehouse party and they showed up with like a six camera crew and like all these producers and shit and it was it was weird because we're trying to throw a party but they're trying to make a pilot and it was this weird situation where like behind the bar oh you know there was yeah, like i was back there bartending like, and everybody's like digging in my fucking yeah, ice I had, to, I, had to, and- I, had to, I had to tell one dude i was like hey dude like you know like let him 
like don't grab his shit because you're fucking up his, yeah you're like, fucking his up the money right now like get and out then, of here uh, yeah it's just like it's just weird because it's it's two different worlds and i want to please them because like they they're gonna help us out and then co- in the end if that it gets picked up whatever but we're also trying to throw a party so if you're in my way like you're just making shit difficult and it's like I don't know. And then like half of them ended up just being completely fucking wasted by the end of the night, which is tight, but it's just, it's strange. Like we'll see where it goes. I think it'll be a good thing for the company. Yeah. I mean, just more, more for the name. Where do you see the company going? Uh, as far as, you know, you know, like I know you've been around like scenes come and go, you know, waves come and go. How do you know when it's going to be time to move on? And what do you guys think you'll do after? Well, the thing, the thing is like, I don't know. I see him on everything being around for a, a while. Like, yeah. I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon because the key I feel like we have is like progression. You know what yeah. I mean? So like Adam first started off throwing underground hip hop shows and now it's, you know, these like, uh, fucking just hip hop esque like dance parties. And like now they're coming more dancier and it's like, it's just all about growth with times. As long as we don't fucking end up like being grumpy old men and going, no, this is how it should have been. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's just, I think progression, you know? And then like, uh, eventually, you know, the goal would be to throw a big ass festival, like have a ham on everything festival. And like the one thing that I, I like that we're doing is, um, so like, you know, parties last, like, you know, like for example, dance, right. You know, that was, shit was cracking as fuck. And like, you know, it was, <laughs> you know it's gone but they're like mfg still doing like cool ass shit so like what we do is we we try not to name one party it's not a one consistent consistent party name you know what i mean so every party has a ridiculous name so it's like it, i feel like just mentally that's like not making people feel like it's the same thing over and over you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah, so keep people like, on their toes yeah so it, uh, i you mean gotta be like water exactly yeah the h2o yeah i don't know i feel like we'll be around for a while and like we're all pretty open to like growing like understanding what's like happening you know what i mean yeah somebody asked me today they're like well you know knowing that you have been doing this for a long time and like you know i myself i say like i'm older than most of the people that are that are like rapping nowadays you know in my opinion like i've been doing it for a while and he's like well how do you stay how do you try to stay relevant not even necessarily your your music but like in your tastes like because i feel like a lot of people that are our age are fucking close-minded crotchety old dudes (laughs) that are like this ain't that real shit yeah so like my answer was kind of like you know staying an open mind and knowing that like what's not relevant to you is very relevant to someone else and understanding the difference between relevance and liking something how do you keep open-minded about that stuff just i just like music so i'll just listen to shit you know and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll see like i'll look at other people's reactions and like you know and then like when it comes to the parties and stuff like it really revolves around you know like people having fun you know yeah. and it's just like sometimes there's there are time for serious music and there's time for fun music yeah. and like there's always going to be fun music and they're always going to be serious and realistically music, so is like, there any time where you guys are hiring artists more for the activation than it's actually something that you listen to or like kind of yeah. yeah if we if we see something like someone that you know is cracking is cracking you know clearly like we take a lot of pride too in bringing out people for the first time you know yeah. like that's always a good win in our book like um so yeah just if you know we know someone who have you guys brought out for the first time kitty uh, kitty pride uh riff, S- esquire I, I would, yeah esquire i would technically say riff raffs for a show yeah um and that was a lot of foresight to do riff raff for a show because yeah. riff raff went from like Enemy he, of the music scene yeah. to hero of the music scene that's in about the thing. a year. He's he's very based. Yeah, and that's the like you know that's the pretty much what the root of him on everything is just like being based and like his old videos. Like he would have cooking videos and shit. We're like oh we fuck with him like yeah. heavy you know yeah, and like yeah. we thought he was tight so we're like fuck it put him on and like yeah. he blew the fuck up you know yeah it's crazy to have watched that it's crazy to have watched his transition to like you know credible like music industry favorite yeah he deserves it though he's genuinely a nice dude who's like oh he seems like a wild creative genius too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just the the most down to earth person. He's very respectful and he's like very open minded. And he just knows exactly what needs to get done and what you know and what he does. Absolutely. What's next for you guys? What's the next party? Keeping uh, in mind that this will come out in two weeks. Well, summertime. We're gonna have fucking hella day parties. Um, we have some things in the works for a hotel right now that should be super tight. Uh, hopefully that goes through, but we're going to just have hella day parties and more warehouse parties. Just check ham on everything TV or follow the Twitter at ham on everything. And you'll get everything on that word. Are you working on music video stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm talking to speak right now. Hopefully we knock something out, um, soon. 
Um, and that's all I really have. I have a bunch. Yeah, that's a real really I have going on. And then hopefully another intuition video. We'll see <laughs> if I ever finish a record. Oh uh, man, no, but oh, nasty. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find you online. At RomoFace on Twitter. Uh, pretty much everything, every social media is at RomoFace. Instagram. Instagram, at RomoFace. And then uh, you can see my YouTube videos of me rapping. Search Uncle D. Tell everybody about Ratchet Set. We didn't even talk about Ratchet Set. I forgot. Oh, no. Ratchet Set is the future. It's for the babies. What is it? It's a fucking rap group. Who's in Ratchet who Set? Rap. Uh, Ratchet Set is uh, Adam, Prince Dakar, Damon, Asia D, Pop, and me. Those are the rappers. And you guys... Your music's filthy. Yes. It's overtly sexual. Of course. It promotes drug use and alcoholism and fucking foul shit. But it's all kind of... It's for the cause of the turnip. Is it all with a wink and a smile? No. I take very good pride in rapping about shit that I've actually done. You rap about your dick a lot. I've done a lot of shit with my dick. <laughs> so like, I could take pride in saying, like, that's the one thing... I Me and Adam talk about this all the time. And Adam, everything he raps about, he does too. Like, So it's just like a very... like. Just like you know, yeah. I take very pride in uh, what I rap about. And I can back up, but it's funny you know, knowing you guys as people and hearing the ratchet <laughs> says shit because I feel like it's kind of is it a bit of like a character art? I guess. Well, me personally, like my I like you know Uncle I go D. by yeah Uncle D to me is definitely a character. Yeah, tell me about Uncle D. He's just a fucking kook. Who is he? He's the person who gets the drunkest at the show and like tries to fuck shit up. I've been kicked out of like five to six shows that were like. I don't know. I just like, I'm all about the churn up yeah. <laughs> in concerts. So just fucking <laughs> Uncle D will get fucked up and just go fucking wild. It's funny. Um, I hang out with you guys a bit and like uh, girls that I see that I've introduced you guys to, they're all neutral about you, but they're like, they fucking hate Adam. <laughs> I don't, you shouldn't hang out with Adam. And it's funny because knowing you guys, you're both sweethearts, you know what I mean? And like, I know that uh, Adam can be overzealous and, and I think a lot of it is like, uh, c- you know, covering up or, or compensating for like his inner feelings or whatever. <laughs> you know, you know, do you agree with that? I get yeah. Uh, a- Adam's a very emotional man. He you is know, emotional, that, but yeah. he hides it by being fucking, oh, this bitch, this hoe, this, that, and the other. Well, that motherfucker loves women, you know what I mean? Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. Get out of here um but anyways all right well look for david romo at romo face on twitter uh you can find him at uh ham on everything dot big cartel dot com and that's where you can find all of the t-shirts and hats that he's designed they're very popular right now a lot of people are wearing them very influential people you've got some disney starlets that have done it zendaya yeah. She actually, it was funny, on the Dancing with the Stars, she wore a sweater, but she covered the upside down cross. It was very strange. Uh, uh. Shout outs to her for, you know, customizing, you know, I feel it. Yeah. Who, any, anybody else cool worn your shit that you were like, whoa? Um, Just hella DJs. The DJs yeah, love the it. the DJs love it, which is tight. I fuck with DJs heavy. No homo. Yeah. No, you fuck <laughs> a lot of DJs. <laughs> Mentally. At home, I have a DJ porn website that... <laughs> I'm making. <laughs> Remember hip hop hunks? Whoa, we were just talking about that. Hip hop hunks. We're gonna, <laughs> dude. Were you on hip hop hunks? No, I wish. I was like, uh, I was mad that I wasn't. Dude, on hip-hop hunks. so funny. We we're talking about that because in our new, uh, in our when we build our site up, we're gonna have Remy Fox do our version of hip hop hunks. It's gonna be called Daddy of the Week, <laughs> and it's gonna be Remy essentially doing what hip hop hunks was, but for our scene. Nice. And it's gonna be fucking epic. It's fun. That's so funny. I'm glad that you know that. So it's a common thing that, like, at least in L. A., like rappers know. Right? Yeah, and we knew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I might. That was one of my dreams to be on hip hop hunk. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you, because I, I am definitively a, a hip hop hunk. Uh, so anyhow, <laughs> Romo, thank you. Thank my you. name is Intuition. You can follow me at It's Intuition. You can follow my man Ben Shim behind the boards, killing it with the buttery voices, always making me sound so sexy. At I am Database. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. This was our two-part Ham on Everything series. Thank you guys for coming in. I appreciate it, and um, thank you guys for tuning in. This is kind of neat. Mm-hmm.